jarring week. Yes. Any other people had a jarring kind of week? That's right. You know what? But everybody in here has made one amazing decision. You're here. Amen. Yes. That's right. And on some level, we're all realizing that, you know what? We need Jesus. That's right. right? We need Jesus. No matter what happened in our week, it led us to the profound point That's that right. we need more of Jesus, right? Amen. And less of ourselves. And so, let's go to God in prayer. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, for this time together. Uh, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Uh, thank you for your generous wisdom in your word. Amen. Your generous wisdom for our lives. That, Father, no experience that we have goes wasted. Right. Father, that you're always working to mature our faith. You're always working for our good and advance. You're always trying to help us grow in our understanding of you and your love for us. And we thank you for that. And we are sorry that we lose sight of that. Yes. We are sorry that circumstances make us blame you. Uh, we are sorry that relationships, we attack each other. Uh, we are sorry that we sin in so many different ways instead of just humbling ourselves before you. Uh, Father, I pray right now that you help us humble ourselves before you. Uh, Father, whether we're listening online or in person, that you give us clarity of mind, clarity of purpose, that your Holy Spirit is the loudest voice in our hearts and minds, right. and that you lead us forward, uh, Father, that we may bring you glory and be a light to others to increase your kingdom here. Yes. And we pray all this in your Son, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 And, you know, it was funny to hear about Coach, Coach Burrow. Yeah. Coach Burrow evaluating talent with basketball, oh, wow. you know, because basketball was not one of my talents. <laughs> now, I played it a lot with my friends, but it definitely wasn't a talent that I could pursue, and I had to stick with football. I went to a basketball camp one time as a high schooler just to really hang out with my friends and kind of see, explore it a little bit. And we spent like three or four days there kind of doing all these drills and scrimmaging, and they wrote my evaluation at the end, and they said he would need to uh, practice three to four hours a day to be an average high school basketball player. And I was like, never mind. <laughs> I think I need to skip that, right? right? You know, but what's amazing is what he's talking about, about us being God's first round draft pick, no matter all of our differences, because I can't carry a tune either, so I can never lead a man like Duke does. Amen. I can't lead a song like Andy could or even Tosin. Uh, I, I don't have the ability to sing those songs and do those different ways of worship. I can't serve like my wife does, and that's okay. It's okay for us all to be different right. and have different strengths and abilities and to see the beauty of God picking us first. That's right. So that was a great point to start off with and talking about and just the beauty of how God sees us is so different than how we see ourselves or our own circumstances, right? And that's really been the key of what we've been looking at is we've been really trying to see more than enough wisdom in God. Right? Yes. God says he'll give it generously to us if we ask without finding fault. So there's not judgment in it. There's a sense of, look, I have all this grace to give you. Just believe Amen. that you're going to get it. Right? And we've been chipping away at this series. And what's so encouraging about it is that uh, Yolanda, uh, who's been a, a friend of our family for a long time, she sent a little text to India this morning. Like six years ago, we were, around this time, Haven Rock sent out a post on James chapter 2, verse 14. Uh -huh. 
And then we got a, a, a text from Tom Jones uh, the other week, and he was worshiping down at the University Church of Christ down at, at the University of Alabama. And they were going over James chapter 2. Yes, I'm like, Holy Spirit is trying to tell us all something, isn't it? Yes, right? You know, and we're actually not in James 2 today. We're going to be in James 3. But hey, we're in the right ballpark. Right, right. right? We're right where we need to be to keep on learning. I appreciate the lessons that all the brothers have been putting together. Andy stepping up last week talking right. about unity. Right. Give him a little encouragement. Leaning into the fray. And then we had Brian do a couple sermons on James chapter 2 about not losing sight, losing focus. I'm really encouraged by the examples that he used in that. And just how we got to keep Jesus at the forefront of our mind. And how he explained the context that these people that James was writing to in Acts 2.42 had this great experience with devotion and one another love. And then started to see a fracture. Right. Right. right? Started seeing the humanity of all of us come out and really fracture things. Right? right? And how do we get back to the basics and get back to the right things that we know? Because when life jars us, yes. we have a tendency to revert back to old habits. Right? Yeah. right? So what I want to keep in mind is that what we keep talking about as we go through James is that's that the whole point, James is a very direct book. There's a lot of grace in it. You just got to look for it. <laughs> but it does have some very straightforward directions about things. But the reason we're going over this is not a gotcha moment for you in your life. You have some awareness of the need for Jesus, right? right? Yes. That's why we're all here today, right. right? And so we're trying to see, well, what is God teaching us, right. right? And he uses grace to teach us. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no mm. to right. ungodliness and worldly passions, right. to help live self-controlled and upright lives, right. right? The teaching aspect is going to be messy. We got, you know, we got some teachers in the, in the room. We got some people who have been in education or taught something to somebody along the way, mm -hmm. whether it be ministry or whatever. Teaching is messy. Right. It's one step forward, two steps back, yeah. right? And it's just understanding about looking at yourself that way. Right. And guess what? We got to look at other people that way too, yeah. right? We got to get that grace to other people. Right. So the real target that we're looking for is that the real faith, if we're trying to deepen our faith in Jesus, Real faith produces genuine stability, mm -hmm. right? That's really, James, in a nutshell, in my mind, it's not the circumstances. It's not what you see, see about yourself and your failures, right? It's not about what other people are doing. It's really honing in deeper with Jesus. And that's the journey we're going to keep going on here today. Right. You know, anybody ever heard that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words... Never hurt me. Am I old that nobody else knows what that means? I am old, but y'all some of y'all get that? So I was told that when I was real young, and I held to that, and I held hard to that. As an administrator, I have so many kids that come into my office that are hurt for one reason or another. And you know, and and they're like, but he didn't touch me. If he touched me, then I wanna. Right? But you can see how hurt they are. From the words, right? You see how hurt they are from the words. And what I realized not long into my life was that, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words sure do hurt. Man, they hurt. Words hurt. You know, Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life. In death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, if it was talking literally, we'd all be dead. There's a figurative aspect in Hebrew, Hebrew poetry, right? So it's talking about how we can really, really hurt one another with our words, right? Not you, of course, the person next to you does it more. Right? 
But here, uh, words matter. I like this little quote. People matter, but hopefully God's word matters Amen. more. Wow. Look, I know that you have said things that have hurt other people. Amen. And I know people have said things that have really hurt you. Amen. But hopefully we can all be in agreement that what God says has to be held in a higher esteem than what we've said right. or what we've heard from others. Right. Really? That's the gist of our stability in our faith, right? right. That we're going to hold higher to the word of God than we are what people say or people do or what we say or what we do. Right. We're going to hold higher and harder to the word of God. Amen. So let's go over to James chapter 3. This is where we're going to kick off. If you've read the book of James or been reading the book of James, you might be familiar with the title of this section. It talks about the taming of the tongue. Holy Bible has its whip out there. Woo! Great picture. Great picture, right? So let's read a little bit and then go back and talk. So we'll start off James chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read all the way. Through verse 18, so that means we need some sustained concentration. We talk about that in middle school all the time. If you don't know me, I'm a middle school administrator. I can't help but use analogies. Right? Sustained concentration. Not many of you should choose or should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Mm -hmm. Wow. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly unspiritual, and demonic. Wow. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Mm -hmm. But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Mm -hmm. right. That's a mouthful, right? Yeah. And, and so with mouthfuls, it, there's no way I can do it all justice in one sermon. You know, you could break chapter 3 down into quite a few sermons. Right. So I would encourage you to go back and revisit things on your own. Study them. Push yourselves and your reflection on them. Because there's just so much that's there 
And I hope that you studying James, uh, as we've been teaching about it, has helped you deepen your understanding of God's word, right? But what we're going to do is use a, a, a strategy that we have in education called chunking. So we're going to break that whole chapter down into about three different chunks. And we're just going to talk about it a little bit as a big picture concept, okay? First one is more like an appetizer. It's a little bit smaller. So when we talk about the warning at the beginning, it's kind of an interesting way to start the chapter, isn't it? He starts off saying, not many of you should presume to be teachers because you're going to be judged more strictly. Right? It's like, whoa, who wants to be a teacher? <laughs> right? It's talking about teaching in that official capacity. But when you look at the context of what the early church went through, that makes a little bit more sense why that was written. Because what happened in Jewish communities is being a teacher was a prestigious or wanted position. It was also a position that got paid. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people wanted to be and teach, but kind of for the wrong reasons. Right? right? Yeah. So what happened is, is that there are these other scriptures that are involved that you can see off to the side. In Romans chapter 2, he's really getting after the Jews because he's like, that wanted to teach. Because like, you who are teaching, do you live out what you're saying? You know, if you say, do not commit adultery, are you committing adultery? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's this conduct of life that needs to match with it. Right? Right. But then there are also people who don't even know what they're talking about, as Paul said in 1 Timothy, who wanted to be teachers, right? Right, so you have these different things, and basically God is just saying, hey, look, officially teaching the word of God is a serious thing. Yeah. And you will be judged more strictly. That's right. Right? Now, of course, there's grace in that, but understanding the seriousness of that is important before you move forward. Yes. Right? So then as it goes on and it starts talking, it moves into a separate chunk. I'm going to look at that fire. Man, look at that fire. Yeah. You know, the Holy Spirit put a bunch of analogies in there, right? It talked about how a horse can be moved through a bit in its mouth, yeah. right? Then it talked about a ship and how it can be driven by the rudder, right? The rudder is going to determine what course it goes. And then it starts talking about a small spark creating fire. Anybody? Well, I'm not going to ask that question. I'm not going to have the answer. But this was started by a hammer spark. Wow. Hammer spark. Wow. Now, I'm not the most handy guy, but I've used a hammer before. I don't know if I've ever hit something so hard that it created a spark. Right. But somebody did. Right. And hammers aren't that big. And then look at this. Wow. And so when we really try to pull a little bit more out of that concept there, when we're talking about how the tongue is something small, he's comparing it to the bit in a horse mouth, a rudder on a ship, or a spark that creates a fire. Let's, let's, let's try to think about this a little bit more, that the tongue is a fire and it sets, uh, it corrupts the whole body, sets the, uh, sets the course of one's life on fire. And when you break that down a little bit more Greek, the word uh, that, 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 that they're trying to get at is the life circle. So it doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody around you. Wow. And if you think about it, if you're around a forest fire, what are you going to smell like? Smoke. You're going to smell like some smoke. Right? And hopefully you, you want to wash those clothes and get them clean again, right? right? But it has a polluting effect to everything around it. Wow. This is talking about the power of the tongue. Wow. That it's not just isolation of, hey, I said this to you, I might have hurt you. Right. No. It has a reverberating effect right. Right. to everybody that's around that hears and to anybody that they pass it on to right. that you said. That's right. Uh, man. Kind of makes me want to close my mouth. Right? <laughs> right? It's a lot of responsibility in that. Yeah. Right? right? 
But then it unpacks it a little bit more and it starts talking about how it is a restless evil. Mm. I want you to think about what that word means to be restless. Wow. If you don't understand what restless means, just go hang out with the Burrow family and just watch all those boys for about 30 minutes. <laughs> up and down, left and right, can't sit down, stand up, running upstairs, running downstairs. I see it in six through eight. You know, I'm in the cafeteria each morning with all these kids and they can't sit. I have like three rules in there, right? I keep it real simple. I might only have two. It's like get in line or have a seat. It's really one rule, right? You know what I got to do? I got to keep repeating that one rule for the entire time I'm in there. These kids are up and down and up and down and standing and don't know what to do with themselves, right? Just restless. But our tongue is a restless evil. Man, that is a sobering, sobering statement. Mm -hmm. It is just looking for an opportunity to inflict pain on others. Wow. And then it says, full of deadly poison. You know, uh, poison really has a slow death to it, right? Wow. Right? But thinking about a deadly weapon that we all possess every day, wow. spiritually. Right. Right? You wonder if you're armed and dangerous. You may not have a gun, but you have your mouth. Yes, sir. You are armed and dangerous every day. Wow. I am armed and dangerous every day with the things that I say. That's right. Right. Man, this is humbling. I'm like, wow. Whew. Yeah. Wow. Amen. Wow. All right. So, you know, then the next part comes in, the next section. And, you know, basically, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Right? So he starts transitioning of talking about how dangerous the tongue is, and then transitioning to the believers and saying, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. But for all of us, it is. It is a challenge. We have praise and cursing coming out of the same mouth. Right? And so what are we to do? I think we can all agree we need help with what we say. Yeah. 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 Right. Amen. Right. Well, you know, it always helps to go back to Jesus. <laughs> we need Jesus, right? So it's not a gotcha moment. Hopefully we have the awareness to know that we need Jesus. Right? So I'm like, oh man, you said that. Well, let's get back to Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Wow. So look, I can tape up my mouth so I don't talk. But that's only going to help for a limited amount of time. Because eventually I'm going to have to talk to somebody, right? What I really have to do is be willing to look at my heart like Jesus does. And willing to get help from the Holy Spirit to help guide what I say and do. It is a supernatural help that we need to guide what we say. It right. is not something we can do by our own capabilities. Right. So if Jesus is not Lord of your life right now, you have not been born again, you have no hope of taming that tongue. You may not say some things around some people. Right? You may have learned that you get too many consequences when you say that. Right? But your heart ain't going to change. Wow. And if your heart doesn't change, you're only a few steps away from falling into something else. Absolutely. Right? Heart surgery is what we all need to fix what we're saying. Yeah. Right? Amen. Right? And I need it more than others a lot of times because I talk a lot. So I always got to keep an idea on where my heart is at. And I'm not great at that and I never will be. Right. But I've grown in my awareness of it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. right? And one thing in my awareness is 
I need Jesus to guide what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. You know what? I need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is there 24-7 to help me. I need to listen. Because I have a choice. Because I can quench the Spirit. I can grieve the Spirit. I don't have to choose to follow what the Spirit is telling me to say. That's right. But I need Jesus. And I need his grace to teach me how to use my mouth as an instrument to build others up. Speak the truth in love. To love deeply. To be kind. I need Jesus to teach me that. And it's not about, will I get it all today and then be perfect at it this evening and tomorrow? Because that is a losing paradigm. <laughs> right? You might mess up on the way home. You know? I'll probably mess up a few times on the way home. Right? But the whole point is leaning into the grace to teach us that we're going to go deeper about why we're saying things. Right. Amen. Where is that coming from? Right? Because that's the issue. Why am I saying it like that? You know, Jeremiah, God used Jeremiah to say the heart is deceitful about all things. Right? So there's this aspect of that we can self-reflect on. But then there's this area where we cannot because our own hearts are so self-deceived. And as we've talked about previously in James, we can be self-deceived. Right? Which is the beauty of having God's family around us. To help with those conversations. There's a level of trust I have to have with my wife. We're going to be having been married 19 years. Wow. Coming up November 20th. Give us a round of applause. India's like the grace of God (laughs) has allowed me to endure you, Sean. Right? But having been around each other so long, when my wife says, you're being harsh. Right. I have a couple options there. Right. I can say, no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> That's not right. I can break down all the facts of the conversation. I'm, I, I can say, well, you're being harsh first. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of ways I can go in there. Yeah. And it usually depends on where my heart is at is how I respond to her about that. Right? right? The godly response, we'll see here in a little bit, but we can also go the other way yeah. when it's bitter. Yeah. It's bitter. Yeah. Bitter jealousy. Some scriptures translate it envy yeah. or selfish ambition, which is where I tend to see myself a whole lot. And so what we're trying to learn is the difference. Okay. God says he will give us wisdom and he'll give it generously if we believe without finding fault. Not there to judge, but give it to us generously. That's what he says. So then I need to grow in my awareness of what that looks like. What does godly wisdom look like? God, please tell me what it looks like. And God's like, I got you. It's just a couple more verses away. (laughs) We're going to look at this. I'm going to clearly explain it to you. You don't have to guess what godly wisdom is. But I can tell you this, it is not bitter and it is not selfish. So, you know, when we get in this part, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So it's one of those rhetorical questions where it's not really looking for an answer, right? Who is wise? He's not like, oh, I am. You know, it, it, he didn't want somebody to do a verbal response. He said, let him show it by his good life, by deeds. And when you break that word down, it has a relational aspect in conduct. Your relationships with other people. Right. Good litmus test for your godly wisdom right now. 
are your relationships? Right. How are your relationships going? Yeah. 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 Amen. Right? Humility doesn't mean that you're a doormat. Right. In America, that's kind of how we kind of look at it. Yeah. You know, we more so lift up pride and arrogance. Yeah. Right? But humility means controlled strength. Yes. Yeah. Right? It means that you can take the time to listen and serve others, even if you disagree with them. Yeah. Right? And that doesn't mean you're a pushover. Right. It is a controlled strength. Yeah. All right? Amen. Amen. So, but back to James 3.14, but it says, But if you harbor bitter jealousy in all oh, this kid is hurting. Oh. You see that kid right yeah. there? They are jealous. They want to be the one kissing. That's high school right High school, it was my life, right? I was the jealous guy. I've always been struggling with the jealous guy, right? I was just like, where are you going? What you doing? Why are you talking to him? Why'd you take so long? Why'd you say that? Why did he say that to you? I just consumed my life, right? It was just struggles. Even as a Christian, I struggled with it, right? Grew over the years in it. Indy and I, we hadn't started dating yet. I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, am I? Because I was kind of one of those guys that was always one foot in, one foot out. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So if I'm going to start dating India, then we are. We we were at that age where it's like I'm going to go all the way to the altar. She's going to have to dump me, yeah. right? <laughs> so I was trying to make that decision. You know, I'm trying to make that decision. I was on a date with another sister, and I'm watching India up there dance at church, do the salsa dance with another brother for some event that we had going on, and I was burning. <laughs> I was like, that is my woman. And then I started to realize I might have some extra, I, I might need to go ahead and maybe take that step, right? <laughs> you live this out a little bit better, right? Away from my girl. Take her off the market. Right? But you know, I, like Indy, you know, it's in the same family. It's different, but it's in the same family, right? And so, wanting something that somebody else has. Yeah. I spent my life doing that, you know? Like, as a young athlete, I wanted to be as fast as somebody else. Yeah. I wanted to get as much recognition as somebody else. Yeah. Look, I was so yeah. bitter that I would, when I high school, when I got recognized by the all city things, that I, but I didn't get recognized enough. Yeah. So I put the names of everybody that was put ahead of me in the mirror, and I looked at it every day, you know? I'm better than them, I'm gonna show them, right? I'm the bitter kid who's going to show everybody that I'm better. Right. Come on. Wow. But none of us do that as adults anymore, do we? No. <laughs> no. So I should have that job. They shouldn't have it. Why did they get the promotion? I should have got it. Can you believe we did that at church? We should have a much better children's ministry. We should have more teens. We should have more singles. Nobody can go on any dates. Where are they all at? I need to go to a church where I feel more comfortable. Right. Come on. Come on. It seeps in there, doesn't it? It sure does. It keeps coming. Keeps coming. Doesn't sound righteous, though, does it? No. Actually, God describes us a bit further because He talks about it as being earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Wow. I'm not always seeing myself in that realm when I'm selfish or when I'm bitter. I'm just struggling. You know, then it goes, and selfish ambition. You know, I've been selfishly, that's something so hardwired in me. And it's also so American yeah. to be selfishly ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. 
that even though big picture wise, I've seen it in some ways and been able to repent, like I'm going to be working against that my entire life. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. My entire life. Yeah. I'll be always looking at more and more about how to deal with my own selfish ambition. Yeah. But I can see the impact in relationships right away, especially when I push my own agenda for what needs to happen. If I push my own agenda in a relationship or if I push myself forward for a position in a job, uh, if I push myself for anything, I start to see God trying to get my attention to help wake me up to how I'm using some worldly wisdom. You know, when I studied the Bible and it talked about, you know, deny yourself and give up your own life and I got to love God more than my, my mother and my father and my wife and brother and sister, those weren't hard intellectually concepts for me. I'm like, yeah, I can love God more than yeah. all those other people. Right. But then it said, even your own life. And that punched me in the face. I gotta love God more than my own life? More than what I wanna do with my life? It's mine. Oh well. I'm gonna make my decisions about it. I guess y'all don't struggle with that. The way I want my marriage to go, the way I want my family to go, the way I want this church to go, the way I want my job to go, my career path, where I land, everything. I, I, me, me, me. Yeah, come on. So just understanding the root of that is demonic wow. and spiritual and worldly. Wow. So what I can do with my categories here is if I'm willing to look at my own heart, right? Whether I get in touch with my own heart because I'm like, man, something's going on wrong in here. Yeah. Or I say something because I'm deceived. I say something and somebody else looks at me like, ooh, why'd you say that? <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. However I get to my heart, I start looking at it and I start seeing, was there a selfish or resentful motive behind all that? Come on. That's right. when I can really get to the bottom of where I'm at spiritually. That's right. And right. whether I'm seeking godly wisdom or worldly. Come on. All right? But it's going to take some help. It's going to take some support from each other in this because culturally we are ingrained in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. happiness. Yes, it's our constitutional right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So they say. So they say. Yeah. Right? But this is the kingdom of God. That's right. This is a higher calling for us, right? Yes, yeah. sir. So, but then it gives us some antidotes for this. You know, if we're caught being resentful, if we're caught being selfish, it says, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Very profound things. Very simple, but profound. Because I can brag about my bitterness. And you have to. Right? Brag about it. They did this to me. Can you believe they did this to me? Let me tell you all the ways they did this to me. Right? We brag about it. Or deny the truth. The reality is, I need Jesus. Right? right? And a lot of, but this is what I do. I won't speak for you. I can put myself in these situations where I feel like I'm either predominantly or mostly the victim in a situation. Sure. Right? That's the way I shape it, at least in my head, right? And so then I feel like the responsibility is heavily more weighed on the other person. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But what I gotta do is accept the truth that it is the sin in me that wants to blame. Right. It is the sin in me that is resentful. Right. It is the sin in me Amen. 
that is selfish, right. that doesn't want to sacrifice. That's right. That's what I have to deal with That's right. to make a situation better. Right. My need for the cross of Christ, that Jesus died for me, right. and he is the only innocent victim. And he taught us how to respond as the author and perfecter of our faith. Yeah. That's right. He taught us how to respond to being mistreated. Yeah. Right. Come on, Sam. And if we take advantage of it, we can really learn from those mistakes. That's right. Because we're being taught by grace. That's right. Amen. It's good. Amen. And we can be different people. Yeah. Amen. We can grow and mature. Yeah. Amen. But this is where we want to be. But wisdom that comes from heaven. I love how that kid is reaching out to this guy, right? Yeah, yes. awesome. Beautiful. Wisdom from heaven is first of all pure. Amen. Now, if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, then you can relate to this point. It talks about love, right? right? And it grills all these great attributes of love. But if I'm like reading it to reflect on myself as to whether I've been loving, I usually can't get past the first verse. It's like love is patient. Whoa, I haven't been patient. Let me just stop right there. I'm sorry, India. I'm sorry, Coral. I have not been patient. I've not been long-tempered, right? Right. And that's how this makes me feel. Because it said we first of all need to be pure. What does that mean? Well, the pure in heart see God. All right, that's Matthew 5, 8. When we talk about the Beatitudes, when Jesus is teaching about the reign and rule of God, we start off by being poor in spirit, and then we work through mourning our sin, and then we get to eventually being pure because we see God. Mm -hmm. right. So here's my challenge for you. You know, Paul said it best because he said, my conscience is clear, but I am not innocent. Mm -hmm. So we can have a clear conscience, yeah. Right? That doesn't mean we're in touch with all the sin we're doing. Right? right? Yeah. So I want you to think about the couple situations you feel like are most pressing for you right now. Right. Most challenging for you right now. Whether they're circumstances, relationships, both, whatever they are. Can you see God working in them? Mm -hmm. The pure in heart see God. Right. That's right. If you're pursuing godly wisdom for that situation, that you're saying, God, I need your generous wisdom to help me. Right. He's like, I got you. Start off by seeing me working in this. Right. Can you see God working in the situation? Right. Or have the faith that even if you can't see it, that it will, he'll show you in time. Right. Amen. That God's hand either created or allowed that circumstance, that challenge in your relationship, whatever it may be, he allowed it to happen for your good. Wow. <laughs> then it says, peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial. And this is where we get the part where we don't have to be a doormat. Impartial means unwavering. Mm -hmm. You can be firm about what is right. right. But you can also be very considerate of right. others. Right. Now, I didn't even know what considerate meant. Really. Well, I knew what it meant. But I had no idea how to apply it until I had a family. Mm -hmm. right. To consider right. someone else's needs above my own? That's, right. yeah. That's a radical thought. Right. But it's not just for families, is it? Right. Mm -hmm. It's for the family of God. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That we put somebody else's needs above our own. That's right. yeah. And none of us do that all the time. That's right. right? 
But when, we, when God puts an opportunity and keeps sticking one on our heart, the question is, do we respond to that? Do we allow the spirit to move through us and actually do that? So it says, impartial, insincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wow. So here's that blessing that comes in the end of what you get to reap when you seek godly wisdom, this harvest of righteousness. And so I want you to think less about your certain challenge in the context of using worldly wisdom to fix it, because we all know that doesn't work. Yeah. Right? That only makes it worse. Right. But how can you pursue more godly wisdom in the toughest challenges that you have? Awesome. How can you see God more in it? You know, there's a great example of this as we close out in the Bible. You know, I love the story of Joseph. Amen. And he's a good refresher in there. You know, most of us, you know, you're like me in a sense that you create a narrative where you're just predominantly the, the victim in a situation, right? right? Instead of recognizing that you're a participant and an offender as well, right? Yes. Right? And that's, that's part of human nature. Right. It really takes God for us to take responsibility in situations, right? Not just for what we do to others, but what the good we know that we do not do. What's that right? The sins of omission, yes. right? That's how we can participate in a problem without really doing anything. Right. Because you didn't do the good that God was putting on your heart to do yeah. to prevent the situation. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a mess. Right? That's why we need grace. Right? right yeah. But let's say in your situation, because it does happen, there are situations where you really are the victim in situations. Sure. Right? And we have Jesus as our model. Right. But we also have Joseph here. Yeah. And Joseph was sold off by his brothers at a very young age. Right. You imagine being being sold to slavery by your own family. Mm -hmm. right. right? Then you get go to prison, and you're a slave, but you get falsely accused, and then you go to prison for it. Right? Mm -hmm. And he goes through all these trials, and historians think that the progression of him being sold to slavery to him having this moment with his brothers where he forgives them, and he moves forward, was around over 20 years. Mm -hmm. So we don't know how long all that wrestling took him. Right? right. Wow. But we do know he ended in the right place. Right? Yeah. And this is what he says to them when they're scared to death that he's going to take revenge on them. When they're scared to death of revenge, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That is a godly perspective on the situation, isn't it? That is some deep faith to see that, look, yeah, you, you did intend to harm me. And it did hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it hurt. But we're good now. Yeah. Because I see everything that God Amen. is right. doing. Yeah. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's pursue those pure hearts. Let's help each other pursue those pure hearts Amen. so we can grow in the grace. Amen. God be the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for communion. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the perfect example we have for the life you call us to live. Thank you so much that you're gentle and humble in heart and that you want to teach us and help us. Father, we just want to bring before you all the circumstances that are here right now in this room, online, worshiping, 
You know each specific situation. You know each specific pain on our hearts. You know the healing that needs to happen. And you know the glory that you're going to bring out. Yeah. Father, help us see how you're working. Help open our eyes and hearts to see how you're moving in a glorious way for good. Right. Father, help bring us back to the beauty and majesty of the cross. Right. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Amen.